when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. From WHUPLP Hillsborough, this is She and Her. I'm Anita Rao. And I'm Sandra Davidson. This is our very first episode. Welcome. We'll be with you live every Thursday at 6 p.m. She and Her is an hour-long talk and music show about millennial women. No subject is off limits. Every week we discuss politics, religion, culture, sexuality, identity, and family, and feature music that inspires us and our guests. We want to know how our guests and audiences grapple with their own feminism in daily life, what factors shape their identity, and what they're struggling with as they forge into adulthood. So on today's show, we're going to tell you a bit about who we are and what led us to producing this new radio show. Then we'll interview our moms and hear their thoughts about how women's lives have changed over the past few decades and what their hopes are for women of our generation as we move forward. We'll also hear excerpts from you, our listeners, about what you all want us to talk about on the show. Then we'll close out the show with a playlist curated by our mothers, filled with songs that inspired them throughout their lives. So let's get started. So the first question that I have for Anita is 10 years ago. So imagine yourself at 16. What did you think your life was going to be like at this moment? This That's a great phase. question. Um... So when I was 16, I was a sophomore in high school growing up in Iowa City, Iowa, university town uh, where my family lived. And I spent most of my life growing up. And I went to a great public high school. And I think education was a huge part of my life. And school was a huge part of my life. I had a really close group of women friends. And I think I sort of envisioned that when I was 27, I would be living in the same city as these three best women friends that I had. And probably working in journalism to some degree, probably working in uh, for a magazine because I loved writing and I loved um, feature magazine writing. And I think I thought I'd be married. I always thought that 27 seemed like the age where someone would get married, even though I don't really know where that number came from because my mom got married way before she was 27 and I didn't really have any other models in my life that were married at 27, but that just seemed like the right age. And I'm not married now. (laughs) (laughs) I, what's so funny about that is I remember when I was 16, I was dating my first boyfriend and I was playing sports and I was growing up in a rural town in southeastern North Carolina. And 
I grew up in a household where my mother had waited. I think she was 29 or 30 when she got married. And she was always very happy that she delayed because she uh, had a lot of life that she lived before she got married. And she wanted that for her daughters. Well, here I was at 16 with this boyfriend and, you know, I wanted to do the exact opposite of whatever <laughs> my mother was saying at that point. So, you know, I wasn't trying to get hitched anytime soon, but I thought, oh, 27, I probably would be married. I don't know who to, but I'd probably be married. And I think I imagined myself in a convertible <laughs> <laughs> as well. And probably even at 16, I know you're supposed to get rid of those dreams, but probably as some entertainer uh-huh. in some way, be it a musician or an actor. But I always enjoyed being around people. That's why I played team sports. That's why I was always surrounding myself with friends. And I I just love communicating with other people and sharing stories about daily life. And that has very much translated to what I do in my adult life at 26 now. I'm curious uh, to sort of jump from there and tell me a bit about how you got to where you are today, sitting here with me uh, recording the first episode of a radio show about millennial women. Sure. Well, I first met you when I was, uh, were we juniors Mm -hmm. in college? We were juniors in college, and we were in a women's studies class together, which is very fitting. I believe it was Islamic women in Africa. Yeah, women in Islam in Africa. Women in Islam in Africa. (laughs) And we became really, really good friends there, and we stayed friends through the rest of college, and then in a simple twist of fate, I moved to Iowa City, Iowa, <laughs> and you moved to New York, but we sustained a friendship through GTAT mostly, and I feel like we only got to be closer. I was working in social services there, and I was also doing independent documentary work. You were working in public radio, and we were constantly having conversations about storytelling, the power of personal narrative, that sort of thing. And then I came back to North Carolina for a graduate program in folklore. You came back shortly thereafter and was, again, working in public radio. And after I graduated with my master's program, I decided to continue to dive into the world of storytelling. I founded a publication, Bitten Grain, with a couple of other people. And we're telling stories about North Carolina. And I have always wanted to work with you in this kind of platform and we heard about WHUP FM in Hillsboro, and I guess just decided to take the plunge. We were, I was hungry to tell stories about women specifically, and I'd be interested to hear how you got to this specific <laughs> to this point as to well. To this other side of the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, very similar. I ended up being a women's studies major, um, not at all intending to going into college. I back to the first question, definitely thought I would major in journalism, but found myself really drawn to women's narratives in particular and loved the opportunity to, that women's studies gave me to really sit down with people and listen to them talk in depth about their lives through oral history work. So I took women's studies classes and then sort of backpedaled my way into public radio after I found out about StoryCorps and really loved the idea of conversation and using conversation as a medium to better learn about people in their lives, which is, I think, sort of another thread that ties through to what we're trying to do with the show. Um, And yeah, I've loved working in public radio for the past 
almost five years. I've worked um, on both the live show, I worked at the State of Things here in the area, and worked at StoryCorps. And I love the sort of opportunity the public radio gives, and radio is sort of a companion medium. But I've really felt drawn to, still really feel drawn to women's narratives and feel like that's missing. There are a lot of um, feminist writers that I love, but there's not a lot of really good feminist radio. And I think it's hard to find places where women of our age are talking openly about some of the things that we're going through. So we've talked for a long time about doing something like this, and this sort of just gave us the perfect format. And um, I'm really thrilled that it's coming together. Mm-hmm. So sort of in that line, um, when did you first start thinking about your identity as a feminist or identify as a feminist yourself? I just so happen to have that same question. Oh, do you? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I can honestly say I never thought about it when I was growing up. And that could be for a lot of reasons, growing up in the part of North Carolina that I grew up, but also growing up in a household and having the good fortune of having a dad who was very much an advocate for both of his daughters so I have a sister and there was never a question that we couldn't do anything that any other person could do I also played sports which is a really great way for me to stay fit to build self-confidence to build camaraderie against other women Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think when I got to college and I was living a life that was more independent I was taking a lot of different classes that were, were asking me to think about the world in different ways. That's be, that's when I basically became conscious of different type of identity markers. And so on the one hand, I'm getting this wonderful liberal arts education at UNC Chapel Hill. And then on the other hand, I am meeting new friends. I'm staying in touch with women who I've been friends with for a long time. And we're all growing up and going through these different rites of passage and I realized that a lot of these women that were my really great friends were experiencing different things in the classroom because of their gender, different things in the workplace because of their gender. I think it was through the personal narratives of a lot of my friends that really got me to appreciate Hmm. what it meant to be a feminist. Um, It's easy for people to say that women have arrived because we do have these different things now that some women didn't have. Hmm. And generations past. Um, but I mean, even now, I, I continue to grow more conscious of places where we, we have to get better and where, where there isn't gender equality. Hmm. And I know that you and I both are so excited to give women a place to talk about that. And we really hope that this is a, is a, is a show that women and men can listen to so they can better understand where everyone is coming from. What about you? Um, I think similarly to you, it really wasn't something that ever crossed my mind growing up. I can't even really remember hearing the word. I mean, I remember, you know, in American history being really struck by how recently things that I sort of thought of as given became truthful parts of women's lives, Um, the right to vote, obviously, but a lot of things in the 60s about birth control and health care and experiences in the workforce. And I remember feeling very struck by that, but never really making any kind of direct connection to my personal identity. And I think, I mean, I grew up in a 
multiracial, multi-religious households. I think I was very aware coming into college of that sort of being, those being my main identity markers of being, you know, part Indian, but I didn't look Indian. So would I be perceived that way? And I was suddenly sort of my own entity apart from my family. And everyone always knew that about me because they knew my family. So I feel like coming into college, I was very aware of that, but not so much about my identity as a woman. And then when I was registering for classes um, for my fall semester, my first year, I think I was I was trying to get into some sociology class and it wasn't available. And I was an out-of-state student, so I did the last orientation. And Women's Studies 101 was an option. I was like, well, all right, I don't know anything about this, but I'll give it a shot. And that sort of changed my life and changed my college career. And I think it was really in that class and during that semester that I really understood what it meant to be a feminist and that sort of my own identity and things that I believed in strongly really were went hand in hand with what being a feminist was and started to feel really strongly about my role in helping other women tell their stories and advocating for other women and sort of identifying how, yeah, through conversation and through storytelling, we could sort of help illuminate the ways in which we still are far from complete gender uh, equality today. Yeah. So what you're saying is women's studies classes matter. <laughs> I am, in fact, saying that. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to put that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> We wanted you to meet two women who've defined our lives, our mothers. So we called them up and asked them to share what they thought about our show and to reflect on their own lives as women. So thank you for being on the show. Um, our idea for doing this was to just get a sense of how our moms uh, think about us as women and our identities and uh, have a sense of sort of how they think we got to where we are today. Um, but in order to do that, we wanted to get to know a little bit more about you and sort of who you were and where you were when you were my age. So first tell me how old you are now and then take me back uh, to when you were 26 and tell me a bit about your life uh, when you were 26. Okay, well, I'm so happy to talk to you. Right now I am 53 years old and my life when I was 26, almost 27, I was a mother of a two-year-old and I was seven months pregnant with you, Anita, and preparing not only for your birth, but also for a really big move for us to another country, to India, from England, on a permanent basis. So my thoughts and my worries were, number one, how will my child be reacting to so many life changes, a new climate, a new home, a new sibling coming in two months, a new life in India? And when I think back, I sometimes wonder how we really did all of this, but... Maybe I was young and uh, unafraid and pragmatic and life was good and we were just going ahead. Then another thing happened in November. My sister-in-law had a stillbirth and I was pregnant at that time, eight months pregnant. And so that was really a worry for us um, and we felt a little bit insecure. I was concerned about moving to a new country. You know, I did have thoughts of how will I fit in, how will my life be, uh, and there were just so many changes, but... You know, I think all, all in all, we just took it from an optimistic point of view. So so we we moved to India when I was only 10 days old, and I spent my first two and a half years there. And you've often told me stories about me as a kid, um, but I'm wondering if there's anything that stands out in particular that you think really illuminates something about 
who I am today and what I'm like today. So thinking about how you are today and something from your childhood, I, I have very fond memories of you going to Montessori and doing number roll. So you just start writing numbers, one digit, one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, then go to two digit numbers, then go to three digit numbers. Um, and you took this, you took this task on in um, like in, with with all seriousness, and I think your number roll ended up being like the thickness of a toilet roll. It was huge. <laughs> I it remember kept that. Going. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, so you you had wrote numbers up in the thousands. I think you were just three or four years old. Even then, you you were systematic. You you know, when you started something and it was working for you, you really liked to get going with it and keep going. Motivated, curious, and I. You know, I see that, you know, that determination, that ambition, that quiet thought is, you know, has has served you well. And it's one of the things that I think uh, makes you as what how successful you are today. I still love my routines. You do. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> um, what did you first think of when you heard about this show that Sandra and I were going to do? I felt really happy and proud and totally confident that you could do this. And I know that you are definitely interested in being a voice and an advocate for other young people and to advise them. And that's something you're good at. I think that's your calling. Thanks. I agree. Um, so one of the things that we're going to be talking and thinking a lot about is sort of how our generation of women experience things differently from our mothers and our grandmothers' generations. And I'm wondering from your perspective... Um, what you think some of the biggest differences are uh, between women of your generation and women of mine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think when we, you know, in my generation, so for instance, when I got married, Dad and I discussed if we have kids that I will take care of them and Dad will pursue his academic career. And so, you know, my path was defined very early. For me, there was no concept of like having it all and work-life balance and checking your calendar and are you available for this? You chose your path freely, and once you got on that path, you lived that path to your heart's content. So I think we, you know, we had a simpler life. We didn't have conflicts. Most of my friends were doing the same thing. If they were having kids, they were going to plan to work just part-time. They really didn't have careers. So, you know, our whole life was was simple. I feel in, that, in some ways that's, that's easier than the life that your generation has now. So the last question is sort of reflecting forward, um, is there something from your own journey and experience as a woman and then as a mother that uh, you hope will be different for me as your daughter? Um, I must say this is really a hard question. You know, what I want for you obviously is a great life, but at the same time, I want you to experience everything. So, you know, be accepting of yourself. And I, I think as a younger person, I would often be very self-critical, which really I don't think is helpful. I think uh, maybe I wish you the wisdom of age at a young at a young juncture in your life to be, you know, more confident, to go with your gut feeling, do what you think is the right thing to do, and to learn early in life that What's important are not things and possessions, it's people, relationships, experiences, family. Know that kindness, forgiveness, love, these are the most important things. And know that you do create your own reality. And I think don't be hard on yourself. You will make mistakes. Life is a journey, not a race. Thanks, Mom. You made me tear up You're there. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I also wish the world was not so sad. 
No, we didn't have refugees and everyday ISIS and all that things. I wish, you know, we grew up without all of that, with, without the, the sort of scary 24-hour news cycle. Um, but this is a different time. And I'm, I don't, <laughs> I'm not that old. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. Thank you. Those were all Hi. awesome. Um, Good. Okay, cool beans. Yes. All right. All Sounds right. Good. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Love You're you. welcome. Bye. Love you too. Bye-bye. Are you ready to begin? Well, I guess I am. Well, Mom, just hold the verbal abuse to a dull minimum. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so I am 26. I want you to take me to where you were at 26. I was living in Chapel Hill. I was working for the UNC Press. I had finished college. I had a degree in English. I had a boyfriend, and that person actually turned out to be your dad. So things were good. I was, I think at that point, I was mulling over what was going to be next for me in terms of career and profession. I liked what I did, but I really was thinking about whether and what I might want to do next. What do you feel are differences between my generation and your generation? I have so much faith in your generation and the young women who are in your age bracket. I think that you put a lot of pressure upon yourselves and are very achievement-oriented. And that's a good thing in many ways, but sometimes it concerns me. And, and I speak also from my own experience, but it, it concerns me a little bit because I think there's a, a pretty high level of anxiety about what's next. Am I measuring up? Uh, am I where I, quote, should, close quotes, be? And I'm not sure that the women in my bracket felt the same kind of pressure, internal pressure, that perhaps you and some of your friends do that I know. I think you guys are more aware in some ways of what's going on in the world. I think your expectations of yourself are extremely high, maybe a little bit too high in some ways. Is there something from your personal journey and experience as a woman that you hoped would be different for me or for Lizzie? You know, if there's something you're interested in, go for it. Don't worry about how you're going to look or what other people may they think of you. Don't let fear keep you from doing things. And, I mean, even silly things like wear the damn bikini, no matter whether you feel you may not look the best in the world. So much of that is generated in our own hands. I think I do think women generate that. And I think maybe in your generation, there's a little bit more of that because there is so much pressure on women about how they look and how they 
they appear. If I could correct something in the world, that would be one thing. You know, that, that really bothers me. I think that is very crippling for women in so many ways. And I think that is so different than when I was coming along. What did you think mm-hmm. about when you first heard about this show? I really, the first thing I felt was incredibly proud and excited. I think the second thing I thought was I am going to learn things from this show. And uh, the third thing I thought, I first thought the show was going to be 30 minutes. And then when I found out it was an hour, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's a lot of time. (laughs) So I'm going to be really interested to see how you guys use this hour. Now all you have to do, though, is teach me how to to listen to you on the Internet. I will teach you how to Um, listen to us on the Internet. Thank you. And we all know that's a challenge. But I'm going to have to budget a whole Saturday for that. But definitely. (laughs) I grew up hearing so many different stories about me as a child. But is there one that you think really illuminates something? Well, it's not one story. It's the theme that ran throughout your entire childhood. And that would have to be from the first six weeks that you entered school, elementary school, we always got glowing reports on the report cards and the notes home from school, except that in conduct on a very regular basis, you were always marked down with the notation, student talks too much, (laughs) student (laughs) likes to talk, student talks to other students more than is appropriate. And that was true. That never bothered me. And here you are and what you do and what you are interested in and what you are forging your path in is talking to people and learning about them and sharing their stories. And that seems so directly connected to that very first report card where we got the the comment, student talks too much. Well, I'm glad glad it's serving me. It is serving me. Because I had to sit through many a silent lunch. (laughs) Yes, I know. And I know that was especially torturous for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So you've heard from us, you've heard from our moms. Now it's time for you to hear from some of our listeners. 
Leading up to the show, we asked women following us on social media to submit ideas for subjects they want to hear tackled on She and Her. Here's what we got. Hi, Anita and Sandra. Hi, Sandra and Anita. This is Morgan from Iowa City, Iowa. This is Priyanka Rao from Ann Arbor, Michigan. This is Addie calling from Chapel Hill. I'm interested in hearing about maintaining female friendships. I think that this is something that's become more difficult as we progress in our grad school careers or in our working careers, and yet something that's become increasingly more important to me. I have an amazingly talented and unique group of female friends, and we are really quick to give each other compliments and are constantly listening to each other's problems and validating emotions. But what I do not see is self-compassion. We are incredibly self-critical and uncertain about our own abilities to succeed. How can we learn to love ourselves as much as we love each other? You know, as an Arab American and a Muslim, I think a lot about how my different identities intersect with each other and how they end up shaping my relationships or just how I move through the world. Uh, You know, sometimes I feel like I almost mute certain parts of myself while exaggerating other parts, just depending on where I am or who I'm with. I think a lot about the modern definition of feminist and how it's really moved past the idea that you have to identify as female to call yourself a feminist, and how really we all as individuals can advocate for women's equality. I also think millennials don't talk enough about religion, or if they do, it's in it can be sometimes in a dismissive or sort of uncomplicated way. So I would love to hear conversations about folks from different religious backgrounds. I was uh, perpetually single for a long time, like most of my life, um, until recently. And I used to go on these dates and I would have these like crazy dating stories. And I would talk about them to my friends all the time and not even like close friends. Like I would just be that girl who was always telling these weird dating stories and they're funny and they're amusing and they're kind of sad, but you know, great stories. And now I'm in a really great relationship, and I have been for several months now. And I found that I don't talk to my friends as much about relationships. So I just think that's something that women could could talk about more. Like, to just share those positive stories about dating and relationships the same way that we so flippantly share all the bad experiences. I'm getting married soon, and one thing I've been kind of having an internal battle about lately is whether I want to change my name when I do. Um, I can think of many reasons why I wouldn't, mostly moral reasons. You know, I don't think anyone should have to leave their name behind. Uh, My name means a lot to me. It has a lot of family history attached to it. But I see some reasons on the other side, too. You know, I like my partner's name. It sounds nice. And his mom shared with me that she didn't change her name for almost 20 years after she got married. And then she did because she was tired of her children having a different name than she did. So I'd love to hear from other people about how they made that decision, um, whether it's meant anything to them um, and how they feel about it now. I am 25, and I just recently got married, and I often think about how that looks to other people to be getting married uh, today at an age that is somewhat younger than most of the other people in my social circle, and I wonder if that makes me seem more traditional or like less of a feminist, and I think that sometimes the sacrifices that I might make for my partner, because, uh, because I'm a woman, are 
more assumed or just more publicly visible than the private promise that we've made to each other to make sacrifices equally. Something that I have been thinking a lot about and talk to a lot of my patients who are new moms of brand new babies about all the time is how to find the delicate balance between being a mom and continuing, in my case, to pursue a career as a pediatrician. How am I supposed to know how to find a balance and still take care of myself? Is there ever going to be a time when I know I'm doing the best thing in both fields, or am I always going to feel like I'm sacrificing one for the other? I identify as a feminist and yet find myself all the time sacrificing or feeling like I'm sacrificing those principles to participate in pop culture, to watch TV shows that I love, to listen to music that I love, that is super problematic. So I would be interested to hear how women grapple with that tension between our principles and what we believe and what we want to be true um, about society and culture and what we participate in on a daily basis. Every week on our show, we'll curate a playlist with our guests. So this week, we asked our moms to tell us about their favorite songs. You'll hear Springsteen, ABBA, The Police, and more. We hope you enjoy. Now, I had so much fun getting the playlist together. I actually was sitting and crying. I mean, it, was, it brought back a lot of memories, a lot of memories. I chose The Carpenters Close to You. I do remember very vividly when Priyanka was born, we had this gigantic home video camera, and Dad was videotaping me holding her, and I was prancing around the living room singing that. So that has always been one of my favorite songs. Roxanne, the police, was a hard choice, but I do love all of the music by the police. Uh, Sting is from my hometown, so I just like, I like that song a lot. Three Times a Lady, I'm, I think I think about you. I think about both of my daughters, that you're three times a lady, so I wanted to put that one in. Um, Dancing Queen from ABBA. Um, Dad and I both loved Dancing Queen. It was always our, we always listened to that music when we would be on dates, so I have all good memories of my early times with Dad. And Danny Boy is there because that always makes me think of my my home. Oh. And it's a, it's a happy thing, but it, it just, I think of my grandparents. It takes me back to my childhood of many people who are now deceased. Um, so that song is an old favorite. The funny thing is one song that both you and Sandra's mom had on there Oh, was Michael Jackson, Billy Jean. What made you oh, put that cool. one on there? I mean, everybody has to have Michael Jackson, right? I mean, he's awesome. This was fun. I liked Prince, Benny Bruce Springsteen songs. There's a Willie Nelson, I guess you would call it a concept album that was back in the 70s called Redheaded Stranger. And Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive. Probably every woman should listen to that song at certain points in her life. As I was thinking about this playlist, I kind of thought, golly, you know, a lot of these are songs or even albums in which there are stories being told. That's it for today. Join us next week at 6 for more conversation. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at She and Her Radio. And like us on Facebook to get updates about what we're up to next. We want to hear from you guys, so please don't hesitate to reach out. 
Our theme music is composed by Cameron Laws and Sam Gerwick, and we wanted to thank them so much for all the time and the work that they put into it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.